Hello, you are listening to a special presentation of On the Scene. In partnership with ArtsBuild Ontario, we are chatting with local arts leaders about cultural scenes, the long pandemic pause, and the process of reopening creative spaces on the other side of some big disruptions. We will, of course, also be giving you your rundown of the many great events happening in KW in some of those reopened spaces. Tonight, we are live from 44 Gockel, an arts hub that offers below market rates on creative workspaces of all shapes and sizes. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Stay tuned for local music, event listings, and our feature discussion on reopening creative spaces. You're listening to Midtown Radio. Broadcasting from the traditional territory of the Attawandron Neutral, Anishinaabeg, and Haudenosaunee people. Midtown Radio is situated on the Haldeman Track, the land promised to the Six Nations that includes 10 kilometers on each side of the Grand River.
Welcome back. My name is Danielle DeVoe and I'm here with co-host Alex Glass, Executive Director of Arts Build Ontario. Our guests today are Matt White, Co-Founder and Artistic Director of Greenlight Arts, and Stephanie Vay, Director of Marketing and Communications at the Kitchener-Waterloo Art Gallery. Welcome to Midtown Radio, everyone, and thanks for joining me. So, I think we'll start, Alex, this was your idea, have a discussion about the reopening of spaces, because that's really Arts Build's mandate, pretty clear. You have a clear sense of what's happening in our cultural spaces as part of uh, an organization that really thinks about spaces all the time. And so from your perspective, what are some of the big picture issues that are making this conversation so important right now? That's a big question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, well, I think a lot of the cultural venues in Ontario are going through a lot of ups and downs right now. Um, you know, this is year three of the pandemic. We've seen a lot of stuff open up, but there remains a ton of precarity for planning for a lot of in-person experiences. We also saw a big blossoming movement with digital um, over the last two years. So I think a lot of organizations are uh, navigating where digital fits in now as we shift to in-person experiences. Um, and I also know a lot of our organizations are really surviving still. Um, you know, operations day to day, um, truly are going on a month-to-month -month basis for many venues right now. So it, it remains optimistic, but also precarious with all the unknowns out there. So we do have a general sense of the issues, but it's really important to also think about what is happening in some of our, our local cultural organizations here in KW in terms of their day-to-day -day experiences. Steph... Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about the Kitchener-Waterloo Art Gallery and where it is right now in terms of being open? Absolutely, Alex. Um, really happy to be here. Uh, the Kitchener-Waterloo Art Gallery, for those who don't know, we're uh, Waterloo Region's public art gallery, uh, very much with a focus on contemporary art, uh, but we also um, steward a collection of uh, art primarily ranging from the 20th century up to the present day. Um, so we have been navigating the waves of opening and closing as a lot of arts organizations have done over the last two years. Um, but I'm very happy to report that ever since um, February and early March, we were able to reopen again. And as of right now, um, most uh, restrictions have been lifted. We have a voluntary masking policy at the gallery. A lot of our visitors do still continue to mask. Uh, many are also welcome not to if that's the choice they make. Um, so we've uh, really been able to return to a lot of the in-person programs that we um, traditionally used to have at the gallery. Our summer art camps are running right now. We're just wrapping up our first week of summer art camp right now. Um, and actually for all the parents out there who may be struggling with your summer plans, we do still have spaces available for the next five weeks if you are looking for a spot to send your little ones ages 7 to 12. Um, so we're really delighted to have the kids back in the studio, working away, playing around outside in the park across the street. Things are going really well there. Um, and we also um, actually hosted our first public opening reception in over two years, just a couple weeks ago. Um, that was the opening for Powerful Glow, which was a new uh, group exhibition curated by Lisa Myers that features um, 12 in, uh, First Nations artists who are, uh, well, one of them is Mike McDonald, but the other 11 are creating works that are really inspired by the legacy of Mike McDonald, who was a documentary filmmaker, a gardener, and an activist, and really looking at um, works that address the relationships between plants, animals, the land, 
living beings and all of our interdependencies with each other. So it's a really inspiring and really frankly quite beautiful exhibition that we have going on right now. And we're really seeing a lot of visitation and really positive public response to that project right now. Sounds like you have a lot of exciting stuff in the works, especially yeah. over the summer. So that's great yeah, to hear. Absolutely. Matt, how about Greenlight Arts? Uh, well, yeah, thanks uh, very much for having me here. Um, it's great to be back with uh, people um, <laughs> talking about theater and talking about arts in general and coming back. Uh, I am the artistic director and co-founder of Greenlight Arts, co-founded with my wife, Karen Lowerson, who is the managing director. Um, and uh, Greenlight, uh, we founded in 2014. Uh, we focus on contemporary work that uh, chat takes um, important themes and ideas that society is wrestling with, and uh, we try to make sense of the world. Um, we use theater that's the best way of putting it right now is um, the world uh, is hard to make sense of sometimes and uh, we use theater to, to try um, and figure something out. Um, and try to figure something out in the midst of COVID is uh, a whole new set of challenges. Uh, we haven't produced theater in a theater since December 2019. Um, so one of the things that has been a process is sort of going, um, who are we? What are we uh, over the last two and a half years? We have uh, found a couple of ways. Uh, we did a show, um, we took Janice Jolie's uh, piece that we had done in person and did it uh, over podcast for Midtown Radio. Um, and we also did a show uh, in the market, the Kitchener downtown market, outside in their sort of covered parking garage. Um, uh, outdoors, uh, distanced, um, the first time we'd ever tried doing something like that, and uh, learned a lot from that experience. But we, you mentioned digital, uh, we very much didn't really want to go digital, um, because we very much believe that theater is meant to be experienced in person with people. Um, so that there is that collective um, understanding and that collective sort of coming together. Um, and we just, no shade to uh, the digital theater out there. Great, good on you. Um, some of it works really well and some of it, you know, but good on you <laughs> for trying. Um, one of the other things uh, I'd be remiss to uh, not talk about is that one of our other jobs that we have started, we started actually just before, COVID, but Greenlight Arts is also, uh, we help manage rentals at the Conrad Center downtown in Kitchener. Uh, so we work for the KW Symphony um, to uh, oversee the rentals of that space. And so we've been working with the city of Kitchener. Um, Emily and the team there have uh, got a wonderful grant uh, that uh, potential renters can um, access to help make the space more affordable. Um, so our primary job is to try to help it be more, um, more active and uh, easier to access. Yeah, that's great. And I think one thing that we've been finding as we've been working on uh, this program on the scene is that there's actually a lot going on all of a sudden. This summer, people really have gone full in for, for art and culture and, and having things in spaces again. So it is exciting to see, but it's also, yeah, everyone's rusty. And so it is a bit of a challenge to figure out where we're going with these things. 
And I think when we're talking generally about cultural scenes in the region and in reopening of creative spaces, I think our arts communities have really experienced a lot of genuine challenges. And I think there are a lot of, of problems that still need to be solved, that still need to be worked out, that still need to be uh, resolved. And I, I think it is important to not lose sight of the fact that we do still have a very vibrant cultural community uh, that we're all working to, to support. And I'm curious to know for each of you what you see in the, the cultural scene here in KW that really inspires you. And I think especially when we have this narrative of creatives leaving this area for the big city, bigger cities, to, for other opportunities, you know. But there are a lot of people who are living here, working in the arts. And so what is it that has, has, has set you on that path? And I guess we'll start with Matt. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, the, um, there's the pragmatic, which is it's, it's, it's challenging to leave. You know, like there's, there is that pragmatic side, whereas someone who's got kids and put down roots, it, it's a big choice to leave. But the romantic and the, the, the reason for not trying to pursue uh, positions elsewhere um, is that there's a combination of, a, I think, a really exciting vibrancy here. I mean, as evidenced in even being in this space at 44 Gockel and looking at all the different, you know, um, the, the, the group of artists that are here, the eclectic, you know, sort of different uh, perspectives that are all right here is super exciting. That, I mean, I grew up here. I'm from Kitchener and like, um, it was sad. <laughs> and, you know, there was not a lot going on. You know, this was a place that you, left um, and and I feel like there is a new audience that's being developed um, you know I look at the multicultural festival and seeing how many people came down and and even for glass tiger on you know with everything like the the downtown was full um, and it was so interesting and so cool to see people engaging in different ways and I mean, I, I think that there's just a lot, uh, you know, Sam Na Navi um, and what he's doing. And as a, as a poet hip-hop artist who is also running a small business and um, is getting his name out there and, you know, pop-up groups like uh, Pinch Cabaret that operate, like literally a cabaret uh, every month. Um, there's like cool shit that's coming that's you know and I and I think the the fact that we start to see that there will be audiences for this that there won't it won't just feel like you're sort of calling out into a field and no one is there to respond you know at you know instead of it if you build it they will come like there will be people for it and I think then you know people will be encouraged to maybe not leave immediately um, and and or like go away for a little bit and then come back or you know um, but yeah I just I think there's a lot of exciting stuff that's happening 
Yeah. Well, and I, and you know, so there's the one perspective, you know, you founded a theater company, so, you know, you, you chose the arts, but Stephanie, you, you're in marketing and communication. You could do that in any industry, but why, why do it in the arts? Well, primarily because I'm an artist. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, full disclosure, I am not a trained marketer. Um, I came to the Kitchener-Waterloo Art Gallery. Um, I, I'm not going to say by accident. I deliberately applied for the role, um, and I was given incredible trust to take on the responsibility for it. Uh, but I came into this for, first and foremost as an artist, um, also primarily as a writer. That was a huge part of the reason why I was hired originally, because I had a lot of experience in art writing and art journalism. Um, but also, because um, I'm an arts worker who cares about getting the word out about what's going on, um, not just in my hometown of Hamilton, where I, full disclosure, I still live, um, but also about what happens in Kitchener and a lot of the other surrounding cities. Like, I'm, I, I find it interesting, like I, I recognize the, um, the questions and the challenges that get raised here in KW a lot about like, you know, how do we retain our artists? How do we build a cultural community? It's the same question that any mid-size or not Toronto city in Ontario is asking itself, including Hamilton. And it, one of the things that was always really surprising to me, especially when I first started here, was how you know, awestruck some people were about what Hamilton had, but mm. Hamilton has its own challenges too. We ha are still missing huge pieces of, of infrastructure for culture. Um, we don't have nearly enough funding to support the volume of arts that do exist in that community. So I, I try not to think of it so much as, you know, like how do we retain it, but how do we dr leverage the mutual strengths of being part of a continuum of smaller, mid-sized, culturally engaged cities? that can kind of support each other and share audiences and share reach. I mean, as a visual artist, I had two exhibitions here in Kitchener before I even worked at the Kitchener-Waterloo Art Gallery. I exhibited at the Rotunda Gallery. I did a project for Kafka. Um, those were both fantastic opportunities for me as emerging artists. And for me, I've always seen Kitchener as like sort of an extended reach uh, that's helped me grow as an artist and as an arts worker. And I've seen the reverse happen as well, where you know artists based in Kitchener or other cities can come to Hamilton and find the same opportunities. So I think there's opportunity to really think about you know, how you can expand your practice and your reach and think not just about like what you do in KW, but you know, how you can build conversations and exchanges between all of these other communities, especially you know, through an organization like ArtsBuild which does have that province-wide reach. Yeah, and I, you know, and there is such um, great collaborative spirit and a lot of really community engagement amongst artists. When I was, when I've been interviewing artists over the past couple of years, that's sort of the thing that they always talk about. You know, it's been hard, the pandemic's been hard on everyone, but the one thing people fall back on is that community spirit, spirit that people are always willing to do collaborative projects, that you can reach out to other artists and, and they're willing to do things. That I think that makes a big difference in sort of cultivating that cultural scene and kind of keeping things going. And you're right, the reach does go uh, beyond the region. We sometimes joke about, you know, just the Grand River, like wherever wherever that goes is sort of where, where our arts can go to. Um, and so, 
We're, this is a special presentation of On the Scene, and we're highlighting some of the great cultural work happening in and around the region, but that includes a focus on some of the live music scene. So later in the show, I'm going to be going over the many, many events happening this weekend. As I said, people seem to be really back in full force, even though there are, there are still some concerns, there are still some challenges. But in the meantime, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to give our listeners a chance to hear some music from one of the many talented musicians performing in the region this weekend. So Rachel Hickey will be releasing new music next week on Midtown Radio, but in the meantime, you can hear uh, one of the songs off of her album, Getting By, right here, right now. And just as a reminder, Rachel Hickey is playing at the Lancaster Smokehouse Friday starting at 6 p.m., so you can go see Rachel Hickey live very shortly. And this is her song, The Setting Sun.
pick it up. Maybe you come around. Maybe you wishing you never went down. Maybe you pick it up. Maybe you come around. Maybe you wishing you never went down. Maybe you pick it up. Maybe you come around. Maybe you wishing you never went down. Time going down. I can make a sound. You're listening to On The Scene, your weekly source for KW music, arts, film, and event listings. This weekend in Rusty Nail Comedy at the Crazy Canuck, you can catch Simon Rakoff and Paul Haywood on Friday, and Mo Ismail and John Shabble on Saturday. Lots of great festivals are back this weekend. On Friday, Cruising on King hits the streets of downtown Kitchener with vintage cars, music, and patios. The Cultron World Music Festival is on all weekend, Friday through Saturday, out in St. Jacob's. And you can find the full schedule of their events at narudaarts.ca. And the Cherry Festival will be in Cherry Park, Saturday from 11 until 5. In film at the Apollo this weekend, you can see Dazed and Confused, Downton Abbey, Drunken Master 2, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Lost Highway, Remastered, Mad God, and Memoria. Showtimes are available at apollocinema.ca. At the Princess Original, you can catch a Jim Monsieur Hoffman, Airplane, being John Malkovich, and Marina. At the Princess Twin, you can catch Baybeck, Downton Abbey, Kaduva, The Bob's Burgers Movie, The Forgiven, The Phantom of the Open, and The Woman Who Loves Giraffes. Showtimes are available at princesscinemas.com. The Woman Who Loves Giraffes will be at the Princess Twin on Sunday at 2pm, and this is being presented as a fundraising benefit for the Anne Innes Dag Foundation, which supports the protection of giraffe habitat, and the Bateman Nature Foundation that is dedicated to educating the public on the importance of the human-nature connection. Anne Innes Dag will be attending the event in support of this fundraiser, and all funds from the screening go directly to the two foundations. The Uptown Waterloo Night Market is back in a new location tonight until 10pm. You can catch comedy, live music and vendors inside the main branch of the Waterloo Public Library. On Sunday the pop-up market stand is back in the morning on Gockle Street and from 5pm until 1am Sugar Run Bar is hosting a sip and shop with a vintage market. In music on Friday night you can catch DJ88 at Jane Bond, Joni Narita at KW Little Theatre, Rachel Hickey at Lancaster Smokehouse, Alex Price and Pocket City are at the Prohibition Warehouse, Lucas Stagg is at the Rich Uncle Tavern, DJ Big Tom is at TWB, and DJs Micaiah and Leaf are at the Yeti Bar. On Saturday, you can catch Funk Pop a Roll with Silent Sid at Jane Bond, Celtic Music Night at McCabe's Waterloo, 
Ben, Rolo, and the McQueens are at the Rich Uncle Tavern with Rolo on the patio at 6pm and the McQueens inside the tavern at 8.30. Finally, on the stage this weekend, Launch Party Drag featuring Misconduct, Elixir, Chimera, Element, Molly Cool, and Toronto's Van Gogh will be at Abe Herb Kitchener from 8 until 10 p.m. And the Super Gay Cabaret presented by Rainbow Reels will be at KW Little Theatre from 8 till 10. And this event has tickets for both in-person and online attendance. And those are your event listings for July 7th through July 10th. On the Scene is made possible with support from the Uptown Waterloo BIA and the Downtown Kitchener BIA. The show is produced by Danielle DeVoe, Alison Dijak, David Harms, Matt Rappelt, and Derek Rydell. Our detailed event listings for the weekend are posted on midtownradio.ca every Thursday. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MidtownRadioKW, and please send events and suggestions for topics and guests our way. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Midtown Radio. My name is Danielle DeVoe, and today I'm joined by co-host Alex Glass from Artsbuild Ontario, as well as Matt White from Glean... Green Light Arts, and Stephanie Vey from Kitchener-Waterloo Art Gallery for a discussion about the reopening of creative spaces. We are broadcasting live from 44 Gockel, a creative workspace that offers below market rates on studios and offices for artists and arts organizations. So we're all really aware of the fact that the pandemic has, of course, been a real disruption to how we live and work. And we've seen the ways that communities and industries were, were not all impacted equally by these disruptions, that some people were able to get by more easily than others. But even prior to the pandemic, in, in all of the cultural organizations uh, where we work, many of your organizations were already engaged in some disruptions in terms of reconsidering who has access to cultural spaces, whose voices are being heard, and how power needs to be considered and reconsidered, and how the arts are situated, funded, and given space. And Stephanie, in particular, I know that KWAG has been a real leader in terms of rethinking contemporary art collections and giving voice to a much broader and more diverse range of artists. And I was wondering if you could talk a bit more about about some of the things that you're seeing in the gallery and that the gallery's been working towards in terms of disruptions, both prior to the pandemic and then what the impact of the pandemic has been on those changes and continuing to move them forward. Right, um, so I think one thing that um, we've been doing a lot at KWAG, um, especially over the last couple of years, is we've seen a, a real revival of our um, community curator program with our permanent collection. Um, for those who might not be familiar, uh, we have a corridor gallery at KWAG where we uh, predominantly show works from our permanent collection. And usually those are curated internally by our assistant curator or someone else on staff. Uh, but something else that we do is we invite members of the community to come into the gallery. Uh, we give them free reign to look through the collection database, consider research questions or topics that might be interesting to them, and invite them and support them to create exhibitions, selecting whichever works uh, they would like from our collection. Um, so during the pandemic, one of those exhibitions that went forward was uh, a project called Articulating Legibility, which was curated by Lucy Bilson, who's a graphic designer here in Waterloo Region. Um, and as part of that project, um, because this was an exhibition, even though we extended the runtime for essentially a full year on the calendar, um, it was one that we had to keep opening and closing along with the rest of the gallery during the pandemic. So one of the things we ended up doing as part of that project is really stepping forward a video series that we'd had in the works for a while called Public Domain. And that exhibition was really a great opportunity to like really steam ahead uh, with this project. And uh, the, the purpose of public domain is really to invite um, 
artists, community members, to um, really engage with works in our collection and kind of talk about and interpret them in different ways for us. So as part of our, what was basically a video tour series for articulating legibility, was that we um, invited like quite a wide range of artists and non-artists um, specifically to uh, produce videos with us that would help introduce that exhibition, particularly to people who either couldn't see the exhibition because we were closed or weren't yet comfortable coming into the gallery to see it because certainly that was also another barrier um, for folks who were immune compromised and simply couldn't take the chance of coming out even when we were open. So um, as part of that, we had um, uh, Sarah Kernahan, who is a local artist, who uh, guided viewers through two of the works through a slow-looking exercise. So she would focus on the work in this video and guide you through how to like look at or consider the work and breathe through it and just learn to understand looking at the work. We had another video that was like really quite a, like my personal favorite in the series, if I'm going to be totally biased about it, uh, where we had three spoken word artists in the community. Um, the already mentioned Janice Jolie being one of them, but also um, Ryan Intua and uh, Bashar Lulu Jabor, um, they were each invited to create a spoken word piece in response to one of the works in our collection that was on view in that exhibition. And it resulted in these three really amazing, really quite moving, and in Janice's case, really like kind of amazingly laugh out loud, hilarious interpretation of some of the works that we had on view. And then uh, the final one, which was also a personal highlight, was that we had children in our summer camp program last year tell us what they thought one of the really abstract prints in the exhibition was truly about. And <laughs> that resulted in quite a few very strange stories, but it really helped bring the exhibition to life and really helped reveal that, like, a collection shouldn't have to just be a bunch of static objects that live in the vault and we haul them out. Mm -hmm. These are ob like art objects that belong to this community. We are holding them in trust and we really want people in KW to really recognize that this is your collection. And as uh, this public domain project continues, because it is going to continue um, even after the pandemic, we really want to be an opportunity for folks to come in and really dot, like, you know, establish relationships with these artworks and recognize that there's no right or wrong way to look at a work of art. Um, and right now we do have another community curator project up in the quarter gallery, um, a good friend of the gallery, Santa Ross. Uh, she curated our current um, exhibition, which is from her perspective, it's a series of portraits by entirely women artists. Um, that's going to be on view until October, and then next year we'll have another community curator project coming up, which I will not talk about just yet because I don't think my curator would want us to, <laughs> but it's going to be a very interesting project that really brings a very different lens to some of the works in our collection that we don't normally get to show. Gosh, you guys are just up to so much good stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, it really sounds like you really connected with the community during a time where everybody was very isolated with the programs that you had running. Um, and I think it's particularly interesting where you got the public to kind of bridge the gap between like, you know, the mass interpretation of, of a piece of work um, and, and with the work itself. So it just sounds like you got a ton of access points for the community to really experience KWAG. And like 80% of a gallery's collection 
is in storage typically. Yes. So probably more than that, I would imagine. Right. Yes. Yeah. Like like the, a major footprint in the building itself is devoted to storage. And we <laughs> wish we had more. <laughs> we certainly could use more storage space if anyone wants to build us a bigger gallery. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like and yeah. The, and to to invite the community in there. Mm. I mean, you, it sounds like you you know in a time where there wasn't a lot of in person activity that that's that's sitting there and you found a really dynamic way to bring people in um, and engage a, a diverse group group while doing so. Um, so just impressive during, during a very precarious time. Um, Matt, <laughs> <laughs> over to you. How, a fact to follow. <laughs> oh, you can do it. <laughs> well, well how, are, how are you, how is Greenlight and how are you giving voice to diver, a diverse range of artists? Uh, well, I mean, I think that the, First and foremost, uh, being conscious of the fact that both Karen and I are very white. Um, and so there's a great responsibility to um, not tell those stories all the time, uh, to make sure that, as an artistic director, to make sure that we are uh, telling the stories that best represent the community that we're in. Um, and that I'm not the best person to tell those stories uh, all the, most of the time. Um, and so that the curation, the artistic direction, I mean, we've been around since 2014, and uh, a lot of it has been driven, like, with, with you know, the questions, questions of the world, you know, uh, what, what are we wrestling with? But as we grow, what I'm really excited about is how the company expands and, and the, the artists that we work with and find the right people to lead different projects um, that are going to know the, the various lived experiences of the pieces of the stories that need to be shared. Um, and part of that also goes with having a, a, a board that represents. Um, and so we have a lot of work to do there. Um, uh, we're you know, undergoing, I, I, I feel like the pandemic pause allowed us to really reflect on where we've come from, where we are and where we wanna go. And uh, where we wanna go is very exciting, um, but requires a lot of work. And um, getting all, everybody on the same board, uh, same board on, on board, um, and and it's exciting to see our board on board for that. You know uh, where we know that we have to to do this and set some goals for representation um, and representation in artistic leadership positions. Um, so to find other artists to direct projects, not just me. Um, and that's really exciting to, to pair um, projects and to find projects and to find, uh, to have a um, artistic advisory team who can also pinpoint, you know, certain elements, certain challenges that I may not have seen and have to be open to like recognizing that actually that's not um, what we should be programming right now. 
And I mean, I think that uh, a great precursor of this conversation was Janice, working with Janice. I mean, I have such an utmost respect for the work that that human does, both artistically, but also as an advocate um, and the advocacy work that's being done by Empty Space um, and, and trying to, and Neruda Arts, and, but also recognizing that it can't just be them that we have to share the load. Um, we have to take a lot of the load of the responsibility of, you know, of having sort of a narrow vision sometimes and trying to open up that vision and, and really opening up the, you know, Janice said, like, don't just invite us um, at the end for the meal, like bring us in at the beginning, have that seat at the table for us at the beginning. And, and I think we're constantly, like, we're, you know, now that the pandemic looks, I don't know, theoretically, that we're about to, like, actually get out of it, I'm excited for the next steps of, of where we're going. Yeah, and I think, like, uh, Janice is such a great example, and she actually had a, a really um, wonderful Instagram post um, earlier this week, um, uh, remembering Madge. Uh, Bumatar, who um, sadly passed away last week, and I and and one of the things that she talks about is the work that he did to uh, change the theater scene in this community, and in really significant ways that that gave voice to people who were not being represented in theater, and and made it possible then for for performers like Janice to really to really come into their own in this region, and 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 she she doesn't hold back when talking about some of the, the reasons to critique uh, cultural industries in, in the region. And I, and I think that's such an important, important uh, voice to have. And, and it was really fun, um, uh, Midtown Radio uh, with Greenlight Arts, um, during the pandemic undertook the uh, project, uh, an arts fund uh, supported project to partner with uh, local theater companies. And then we took existing plays uh, and, 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 and shows and turn them into radio dramas. And so Matt uh, worked with us with Janice Jolie to get her one woman show up and, and, and running as a production. And it was such uh, a great piece because it was really, um, it was on the one hand, a radio drama at a time when we couldn't do uh, drama in spaces. And so there was this really like wonderful positive thing about it, but it's also fundamentally, it was a piece um, critiquing uh, some of our cultural institutions uh, and, and social institutions and the way that people are not being uh, represented equally by them and it's such an important perspective to have. And so on that note, one of those, you know, one of the great things about her show is that she's honest about some of the problems that she's witnessed and experienced in our cultural scene here in KW. And she does this in her music as well. So we're going to take another quick break and we're going to listen to what is probably my favorite Janice Jolie critique out there. Um, it's her very catchy, very, it's going to be stuck in your head forever, catchy song, but also very critical, No Mr. Patriarchy. So we're going to have a listen to that and then come back to have more conversations about cultural spaces.
You're listening to Midtown Radio. My name is Danielle DeVoe. Today, my co-host, Alex Glass from Build Ontario, and I are joined by Matt White from Greenlight Arts and Stephanie Vay from the Kitchener-Waterloo Art Gallery for a discussion about the reopening of creative spaces. In this final segment, we want to talk about how we see cultural scenes shifting in a future, potentially post-pandemic, in a post-pandemic world. And what are you hoping to see in our local arts communities, our organizations, and our spaces as we move forward? A very big question so many are asking right now. 
Is there room to use the reset of the pandemic to reshape the industry? And what needs to happen to get us to the kind of creative industry that you want to see? What are the first thoughts that come to your mind, Steph? Uh, well, for me, it's really just trying to re-spark that in-person connection, um, which we, we are starting to see. Um, but it's also trying to find a way to keep that spark, like, well, to keep and to grow the spark of having people see art in person again. Because, like, you know, Matt alluded to this earlier, but, you know, digital isn't the same as being in a room with other people, experiencing something creative together. And in visual art especially, they're like a JPEG just can't substitute for seeing a real painting in person. And with a lot of the art week present at KWAG, like there's an immersive experience involved there that really you, you just like no video tour is ever going to match it. So for us, it's really about like ensuring that we like bring our community back into the space as much as possible. And Something that we're really keen on at KWAG is to find more opportunities to uh, get our community engaged in the space in ways that maybe they're not necessarily anticipating, but that more meet there's some wider expectations of what's possible in an art gallery. Um, we're really starting to think about things like what sorts of different types of arts residencies could we offer where artists aren't necessarily coming in just to make an exhibition, but maybe they're coming in to work directly with our community and to create something from the ground up that's going to be more collaborative. But at the same time, I think we're also really keen to ensure that some of those digital pieces that we developed during the pandemic have a way of moving forward because they really do help open possibilities to folks who might not necessarily be able to come out to our space maybe people who don't live in KW, but are really interested in what we have to offer. And also, it, it just is a better move for accessibility all around for us to be able to offer these things digitally as well. So for, I think for us, the challenge is going to be like, what does a hybrid approach to being a contemporary art gallery look like? How do we like keep that in-person experience alive, but also use digital tools to ensure that we're reaching more people where they're at? Matt, what's your take? Well, I mean, <laughs> You, this could be a bit of a cop-out answer, but more money. Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, um, like, I think it's interesting, like, the term creative industry, right? Mm. And um, I think more buy-in from the community. Like, I, I, you know, there are all kinds of leaders here who, you know, we're building all of these condos. We want all of these people to move here and do something, but they expect us to do it with 50 bucks and, um, and expect it to be amazing. <laughs> and, and I mean, there are some amazing things we can do with 50 bucks, but like we, we need more support. Um, you know, we need to be able to, like one of the things from earlier, um, you know, trying to find the right place to put it in. But I think this is a great place with like the Impact Festival. You know, when you go back to like one of the things that's such a great hook for staying here, for being here, it's seeing all of these artists that Empty Space brings here from across the world. Um, but people don't necessarily know about it because we're hamstrung. Arts organizations can only do so much with what we've got. You know, I want to see more like corporate sponsorships that help with marketing. I want to see more um, output in that in that sense, so that we have, you know, because 
the thing is, like, I think that there is an audience for all of this work. They just need help knowing that we're doing this, you know? And um, I, I also think on a smaller thing as part of our reset, utilizing, like, you know, like the thing that I started thinking about with this reset is I, I was in Toronto recently and it felt like there was no reset. It felt like everything was back to the same, right? And, and I go, well, where do I feel that there is a consciousness that we're coming out of a pandemic? And it's back in a theater. You know, every theater show I've gone to over the past six weeks, vaccination status, masks. There's a care and attention to audiences, right? There's a relationship that's building. And, and I think that that's happening even in how we create art. You know, there used to be this tyrannical sort of perspective in how we create art. And like there's the genius and then the genius just telling everybody, you know. And, and I think now um, we're getting to a place where every artist has an equal say in something and, and feeling a part of something, feeling a part of the creation of something. And I'm really excited about that. And part of that is also just being open and honest with each other um, and honest about what kind of needs we need, you know, and it's money and it's childcare and it's mental health check-ins and it's, a, it's an industry that shouldn't drive people to either leave or to, to you know, to other things, you know, it should be something that is helping care for one another. Um, and I would love to see the arts take a leadership role because lawyers aren't going to do that, right? And no shade to lawyers if anyone's listening, but like insurance companies aren't doing that. Insurance companies, they're deliberately not doing that, right? It's about a bottom line. And our bottom line is humans, right? In a lot of ways. Artistry is about humans. And so how do we take care of humans and how can we um, better take care of humans, both the ones creating the work and the ones coming to see the work. So both great kind of thoughts on on this very like big topic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a big question, and and I think so. The commonalities there were like in person experiences. The need for that hasn't gone away as a result of the pandemic, um, but we've seen more access granted through digital initiatives, um, and like having purpose built space remains paramount to have these experiences together, um, you know, and helping the organizations and artists have the capacity and build them up to realize that, as well as the other side the other sectors that can support that like lawyers and insurance providers for example sorry no it's all good um and then safe spaces as well for everybody you know baking it into the operations really looking at it and there's a ton of work to do on all ends but it is all one package when we look at spaces together such a great conversation and i know um you know that that last question was a tricky one like what can we do but it's it's true i do think there's so much great work going on and this this idea of you know how do we get more people to know about it how do we get more people the resources that that they need and even you know in the 10 years that i've lived in this region things have changed so much it's changed so rapidly and i do think there are a lot of people on side of the arts and hopefully more conversations like this will keep people engaged uh, in the arts and in supporting the arts 
So that is actually our show for tonight. This, uh, just as a reminder, was a special presentation of On the Scene, uh, co-sponsored by Arts Build Ontario, and we are talking about creative spaces and how to manage them. On the Scene is a weekly live program that takes up different questions in the arts and culture scene. We interview artists every week, and so for the next three weeks, we have a number of musicians coming on to um, share their new music with us. So keep tuning in to hear all about the great new music that is happening in this region. And of course, you can always check out our event listings uh, on uh, midtownradio.ca, a detailed list of events happening uptown and downtown um, and throughout the region um, is posted every Thursday on midtownradio.ca. So on the scene is made possible with support from the Uptown Waterloo BIA and the Downtown Kitchener BIA. And the show is produced by myself, Danielle Allison Dijak, David Harms, Matt Rappelt, and Derek Rydell. And you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Midtown Radio KW and send us your events and suggestions for topics and guests because we do always want to hear about what's going on in the region. Thanks so much for listening and have a good night. One, two, one, two, three. You best start running now before I get my gun. Best out running now before I hear some fun. I got a six shooter in my hand. Oh, I'm on the run. Your best out running now. I'm coming for you. I'll go to Memphis. I go to Montreal. I go to kiss the next street call. Go damn shit to pun. We all go to Waterloo. Oh, baby, I'm coming for you. I'm gonna catch the next greyhound. Find my kids on tour sweet. I'm losing track of the sunshine now. Drink too much bourbon. I couldn't find the right girl to love. Break the heart of me, go on, on. Tell me, mother. Tell me, brother. This is the father, too. One more. One more, what can I do? I'll go to Memphis, I'll go to Montreal, you know, catch the next street call, go down straight to Boon. Oh, when I go to Waterloo, oh, baby, I'm coming for you. I wanna catch the next great by my